you know, I wish that more people would listen to our show because it's it, it feels like it's really underrated at times. Yeah, unfortunately out here in uh, East Bumblefuck Morris, we really don't have that many people who I can <laughs> convince to listen to our show. Yeah, well, I mean, like, there's so many great things about the show. I mean, we've got Ryan, we've got Ian, we've got Ian, we've got Pink Tacos, we've got Paul. <laughs> oh my God. This is 8-Bit, episode 47, Gabin in Yoga Pants, on Saturday, September 28th, 2013, and now, Ian's excited. This episode is hosted by Ian Buck and Ian Decker with guest Paul Schlieff. <laughs> well, and I just want you to know that this show is not nearly as popular as a show from Ayumi Hamasaki, just so you know. <laughs> Do we want to tell them why we did that? <laughs> or what we roll did? First. Roll another one first. Roll another. Oh, roll another. Okay. <laughs> you know, just for saying that, Ian, I wish that you would eat a d- well, then I think I would have some DSL sucking lips. <laughs> Whoa, glad I'm not on the big seat. <laughs> so this One has order. been a fun <laughs> game of Urban Dictionary Roulette, I guess. We just invented this game <laughs> where you have to pick a random word on Urban Dictionary and then uh, whatever comes up, you have to use it in a sentence. So my first one was underrated. Um, let's see, I had... East Bumble f- Pink Tacos. <laughs> and then um, DSL. And eat a d- And then I had eat. <laughs> Why are there images of DSL? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't know that Urban Dictionary came with the images. Yeah. I think it's just that's kinda of disturbing. That's bad. I think it's just big lips with tongues licking said lips. Oh boy. So, <laughs> welcome to 8-Bit, everybody, where we are a nice, family-oriented, kid-friendly show <laughs> all about video games. <laughs> so oh, this... they're big lips. Now I get it. They're big lips that engulf it all. I see. No. <laughs> so I understand is... now. <laughs> this week, uh, I've brought my friend Paul Schleep to the show. He's a, a fellow computer science student with me here in Morris. Yes, sir. Excited to be on the show. Talk about lots of fun things. Oh, yeah. That's always the plan. Uh, before we uh, get into the nitty-gritties, though, we've got to grill Paul for all that he's worth with our very extensive interview. Turn me into a burger, baby. Prepare your anus. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> So this is a kid-friendly show. <laughs> yeah, he was talking about the planet, you know? Yeah. Oh, good. I'm going to bring you out there, and I'm going to make your burger out there. I mean, it, it's perfect. It's already nice and cold, so they're good and refrigerated. Best place to store ground meat ever. Um, no, no, no. So how did you first get into video games, Paul? Well, uh, around the ripe old age of, say, around seven is when my dad decided to get my family a Super Nintendo which I still say is one of the... I still say it's Nintendo's best console they've come out with. You know, <laughs> I, you, you can't forget about the classics of, like, Super Mario World and Super Ghouls and Ghosts and Super Dude, whatever. You sound old when you're talking like that. What, like, talking about Super Nintendo? Yeah. That's great. 
No, it's, it's a great. It's great times. Well, no, no, see, if he was old, he wouldn't even know what a Super Nintendo was. That's true. I suppose. You gotta, you gotta live life in, like, it's the 90s still. I suppose the Super Nintendo came so, around in the 80s. torn jeans and messy hair and... No, wait a minute. Star Wars Legos hadn't even come out yet. Oh gosh, that 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 might be a little that that might be a bit. Of a I break can't go back that. to the '90s anymore. <clears throat> oh gosh, um, I'll ask you another. Uh, wait, no, one more thing to the '90s, quick. To YouTube. But never mind. I can't remember the name of the thing. <clears throat> it's not worth it. Oh well. Um. All right. So, what is your favorite genre of games? Uh, it's got to be RPGs. You know. Uh, I would say I actually first got into RPGs around the time of Morrowind. Mm. Wow, yeah. Mm. So yeah. RPGs then, or uh, predominantly the the Western ones. Uh, the Western. Western, not American, Western yeah, um, I, I've played a few JRPGs, but I I I don't want to sound like racy or anything. I just the JRPGs are just too weird for me. I, I gotta go Americanized. <laughs> Yeah, I gotta have you know. I can't, I can't really do too many turn-based RPGs. You know, the the role-playing action ones are. Hmm. Yeah. So, good. so okay. on a related note, what's your favorite game of all time? Um, well, that's probably gonna tie into another RPG, Fallout Three. That was I play after you're playing Morrowind and then playing Oblivion, and then they announced Fallout Three. I was like, really? Not another Elder Scrolls, but I was excited about it nonetheless. Because I mean, I I never played a Fallout game, but it looked cool as hell. And then when Let's it did come out, I got it at midnight at GameStop, and I played until 7:30 right before class. Went to school, came back, and played until 7:30 in the morning again. <laughs> I was basically dead the next day. I don't know why I did that, but it was it was the best of times. I, I still remember. every now and then I want to go back to it. I remember when uh, Portal 2 came out, and you could tell, like, in English class the next morning who had stayed up all night playing it, because there was, like, four or five of us who were just like, ugh. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> That'd be me. Happily admit it. <sighs> all right, so, on the complete and total opposite end of the spectrum, what is the game that you hate the most, or... Well, and or you can choose to answer both if you'd like. That's perfectly okay. What game do you regret buying the most? Well, I don't ever regret buying my games. You know, I I tend to make good purchases when it comes to my games, but that's not to say I haven't played a bad game. Lord knows every gamer has played the you know, there's that one game out there that every gamer has played that is really bad. Oh yeah. And I don't have a specific one, but I've noticed specifically like the movie based games, like I played this Pirates of the Caribbean game for it was it was based off of uh, Dead Man's Chest and it was it was atrocious. The animations were just you would clip through things and when you were attacking people you could pull out your gun in the middle of a sword fight and just kill them. There was no <laughs> point in using your sword in that game. And it well, was, you are a pirate. I mean, yeah, but why did they give you a sword if you can just shoot them? And then there was other game, the uh, GI Joe. That was it was like a top-down shooter game. It was like arcadey, it was supposed to be, but it was so cheesy and so short, and the action was so bad. Who's knocking on my door? <laughs> BRB. All right. Jesus. 
Well, in the meantime, uh, that was pretty much the end of the interview anyway, and we don't have very much listener feedback. Yeah, hold on. So I guess I'll uh, move straight on to headlines. I'm going to give him a knife. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, I hope that that's an innuendo. I do, actually. Because that sounds too perfect. Did I just hear what it is? Where is my moose? I'm going to give him a knife? Hold on, I got a knife. Otherwise, it works. No, I think what he said was, they want to pop my balloons. I need to give them a knife. Or something. I think I like mine more. He wants to pop my moose. Give him a knife. Let me give him a knife. I don't know. Popping my balloons kind of sounds like it could be an innuendo. And and popping a moose doesn't. Uh, I can't imagine what a moose would be. Uh, Paul, I uh, I muted you because all of the background talking was distracting. So you can uh, you can unmute yourself in the hangout there. Oh, he's he's gone again. Oh. All right, so there it is. Headlines. Cool. Were, were those your uh, residents? No, those were on call CAs. Uh, oh. Ellery last night decided it'd be fun to take all the balloons from the uh, lounge, the main lounge from decorating, and throw them into my room at 1.30 in the morning. <laughs> so if you see on Facebook, there's a picture of, like, 50-some balloons in my room. And these were all from, like, homecoming yeah. decorations? Okay, nice. I can hear so, them popping it now. <laughs> so you were right. It was a balloon. It wasn't a moose that he did the night for popping. Yeah, no. Yeah. So, um, on to headlines. How do you guys think that we should get kids to eat more vegetables? Well, clearly, we need to make them play first-person shooters. Douse them in chocolate and fat and everything. Uh, the shooters or the kids? The vegetables. Oh, okay. Option C. Right. <laughs> on, on a completely different page than you are. <laughs> so, Dr. Uh, Takayuki Kosaka has created the game Food Practice Shooter, in which you shoot at vegetables... And uh, whenever you run out of ammo for a particular type of vegetable, then you have to eat that vegetable in real life in order to reload. And uh, they've got a lot of kind of, um, you know, psychological, uh, th- you know, theories behind the the idea of the game. And I guess it, it actually does encourage kids to eat more vegetables. Okay, but I don't I don't know how viable it is in the long term, but it's a pretty cool experiment. It's a, it's rather hilarious seeing these kids uh, wearing this big headset with this giant like plastic orange gun that looks like a carrot and uh, eating vegetables. I see. Yeah, no, I'm I'm looking at the page right now with some of the gear that they have. If they could somehow make this applicable to the house, though, that'd be the big thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But but I don't think you're going to have little dispensers in the guns that can be like, all right, you ran out of ammo for this thing. Now eat this. And that's that's really not going to work, especially because if there's no refrigeration, that's going to get moldy and nasty. It's just going to be... Ugh. Maybe it could just be like a part of a uh, re-education program, you know, force the kids to, to go uh, and and play this game at some, some you know, place along with a bunch of other things that we want them to do and then, uh, you know, trick their little minds into thinking that it's good. Ooh, like that arcade. Do you remember that arcade that we went to a few years back with the Venture Crew? Um, where it was a bunch of games that were designed for um, getting you fit. It was a gym oh, that was yeah. disguised as an arcade. Sort of. Sort very, of. Very poorly. I would say more a gym that was sort of had screens in it. Yeah, <laughs> in a lot of ways, I suppose. But, yeah, no, that could be cool. Mm-hmm. So, Paul, what's Sony up to these days? 
Yeah, so Sony is actually looking to expand their horizons a little bit and uh, going to their Gaikai streaming service to non-Sony devices, which might be kind of a cool idea, you know? They're going to PCs, TVs, tablets, smartphones. <laughs> so a la Netflix, kind of, where they just want to be able to stream to basically everything. Come on in. Which, I don't know, it might work if they can do it right and make the streaming not suck. It'd be interesting to see. Yeah, and there's women like, folk in your room. <laughs> I thought that only happened to you, Buck. Why does everybody get so shocked when women walk into rooms? Because we're nerds. That doesn't usually happen. You know, I have a lot of women in my life, including Declan. <laughs> but so, yeah, as, as uh, Sony said... Um, they they kind of want to go from being just purely hardware to you know PlayStation being a service, and I think that in this day and age, that is definitely the right way to think about it because the hardware isn't really where Sony gets their money; it's from selling games that Sony gets mm-hmm. money. So um, if they can you know leverage their their position, <clears throat> sorry, their position as you know the the go to kind of um, not publisher but distributor of games. Uh, then I think they they'll have a really strong position in that field. Mm-hmm. And sort of in a similar line, um, uh, Macrohard um, has also reported showing Halo Four streaming for the PC and Windows Phone at a company meeting. Um, at this rate, none of us will really have to buy any of the next gen consoles. So what they're doing with the streaming thing, um, like before, they're they're making a cloud that's sponsored by Microsoft, where you can have all your games up on the cloud and they'll stream directly to. Um, whatever you want, whether it be a console or a PC or even your phone, just so long as you have the appropriate hardware in order to be able to play it. Um, yeah, and keep in mind, these two stories are not like something that Microsoft and Sony are like about to do or even doing you know, right now. It's like a, they're, they're kind of thinking about it, and it might happen at some point in the future. But it's not I'd like it right to. Now. Then there wouldn't be any exclusives. PC would be king. Exactly. Yay. The almighty king. And then we could all just get Steam boxes or Steam machines, and uh, boom, we're done. <laughs> God, Steam would make so, or Valve would make so much money. Well, no, because what you got to consider here that uh, Steam or Valve doesn't make money off of selling Steam machines. Valve makes money off of selling games for the Steam machines, which is exactly mm. how Microsoft and Sony would be making money in this model as well. This is true. It'd be kind of um, interesting to see this too, because then we, you know, would be more competition via software rather than hardware. Yeah, it's kind of my dream uh, uh, environment, though, because I love it when hardware people focus on hardware and software people focus focus on software, and then distributors just kind of distribute things. Mm-hmm. Plus, this way we might actually get more of a race for content as opposed to just I'm going to throw as many games at you as I can. It'll be I need to get the best games in order to compete with these people because. And have the coolest features. Because mm-hmm. they're all available to people on this one thing. So there's only a certain amount of resources that they'll have, so they'll have to pick yeah. and choose which games they get. Which means that for competitive stuff, you're going to have to have the best game as opposed to just the most games. So here's a quick poll. Everybody raise your hand if you love hearing about cool projects being made for the Oculus Rift. Hands for Oculus Rift! Now, keep your hands up if Star Wars is your favorite thing ever. Okay, that's good. That's everybody. 
Oh, thanks. You'll all be thrilled to hear that the trench run from A New Hope has been recreated for the Oculus Rift. I literally started giggling uncontrollably while I was watching this video. What? <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty incredible to see. Wait, to see him giggling or to see the video? Oh, actually. <laughs> well, Paul, you were at my window or something? Well, I mean, you're, you're right on ground level. <laughs> reminds me, completely off topic, except for the fact that it's something that'll make you giggle uncontrollably. Um, so Gustavus, every year, has a drag show. Mm-hmm. So do we. And my friend Tristan roped me into giving it a hand with his set. Okay. So I'm going to be up on stage. I'm going to have to shave for this. But I'm going to be... Shave what exactly? Beard. Oh, okay. Possibly oh, legs. Oh, boy. And arms. <laughs> we'll see. It is going to be full drag. Good luck finding a dress. Nice. Okay, I'm going to have to see some pictures of this. I'm going thrifting with Sarah sometime soon here to go and pick out a dress. <laughs> and I'll probably just borrow one of Carolyn's bras because we know they fit already. Because that one time freshman year. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, what yeah, did this have to do with you. anything? Uh, Making you giggle uncontrollably. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were right. <laughs> I know you far too well. Alright, do we have anything else to say about the Oculus no, I, I, I don't think so. Alright, it's just cool. <laughs> yeah. Alright, uh, moving away from the Oculus Rift. Uh, after Steam announced their uh, Steam OS, which we'll talk about more later. Yep, that's uh, our Nvidia, main topic. Nvidia decided, oh, people like Linux and gaming on Linux, so we're going to release our GPU documentation so that way drivers support sucks less on Linux, which is a big move forward for Nvidia, considering Ooh. how much they have basically openly said we hate Linux. Well, I don't think they've said they hate Linux because like their own drivers are all right for Linux. But they've never, you know, just, like, worked with people on making the open source drivers better. Yeah. And uh, Linus Torvald did, really did not appreciate that. But he's now optimistic about their support. Hmm. I like it. Lots of steps forward seem to be being made in the world of games and computers and all that mm-hmm. good stuff. I like this place. It's a good place to be. It's nice. It's my friend. Okay. Um, meanwhile, AMD has announced Mantle, an API that will give developers direct access to the hardware of the graphics core Next cards without having to go through DirectX or OpenGL. So instead of optimizing for different OSs, they can optimize for the hardware. Ooh, interesting. That sounds so, like a wise decision. It'll be it'll be interesting to see if the um, you know the consoles because they're running on AMD. Um, um, what are they called? Graphics cards as well. So it'll be interesting to see if they support Mantle as well, or if Sony and Microsoft completely just go no, because if if we support this, then it'll be good for you know Steam machines, and we don't like them. So we'll have to see. Mm-hmm. So this will probably be this will be a good thing. Uh, moving on, uh, there's a little game called Surgeon Simulator, which started off as a 48-hour pro- uh, game project, and is growing, oddly enough. This week they have added Zero Gravity Brain and Kidney Surgeries. I've not had a chance to try these out, but I have played the original Surgeon Simulator, and it is hilarious to play, because the controllers are so bad, and they expect <laughs> you to perform surgery on these people with these terrible controls. So you end up, like, 
cutting these people open and grabbing their like liver and throwing it all over the place, you basically play the game as the world's worst doctor. It was great. The, um, uh, so I watched the video uh, um, where one of this or where the guy discovered that or not discovered, sorry, laid out how he discovered how to get to the alien. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, we're watching him as he was discovering how to get to the alien. Um, and then he tried to do the surgeries on the aliens, and he, they tell you to like do a global snark replacement or something like that. I don't know, but it's something that's like what. Um, and of course, it's in zeros g, so stuff is floating around when you let go of it. Uh, actually, one of the scariest things is one of the tools that they had was you would pick it up, um, and then there were like five. It sort of looked like an apple's core if you cut an apple in half. Five blades that were in a star shape. <laughs> oh boy. Um, that were spinning on the end of like this little top thing. So you'd go there and then you'd cut, use that to cut through the alien's rib cage or whatever and get at whatever you were trying to go. But um, the only one at the very end of this, I think like 11, 7 or 11 minute long video, um, the only one that was a success, instead of putting it in and then suturing everything up, no, he just takes it in, chucks it in there and smacks it against the body. It's like, you, you did it! And then you can see the thing just kind of floating away in the background. So it's like, oh, Okay, <laughs> but it's actually really interesting. So, and yeah, it looks beyond hilarious. I've seen a few kind of games that were inspired by uh, Surgeon Simulator, like this one archery game that has a similar control scheme, where you're like you're using the the uh, keys to control what your fingers do, and then like the the angle that you do the mouse at is like the angle that your hand is that's holding the arrow, and so you can just completely like mess it up. It's it's worse than watching Cub Scouts struggle with bows and arrows. Seriously, <laughs> I didn't think there was such a thing. <laughs> <laughs> now, what I want to see happen is um, some sort of VR thing where you have gloves that fit on your hands um, with like we we or connect sort of motion sensor sort of things. Oh, or that um, there's that new control thing for computers that can track like what your fingers are doing yeah. in space. Oh yeah. yeah, I've seen that. Mix mix that with the Oculus Rift. Oh my gosh. There you go. And you, you have, have a surgery home, game uh, that doesn't suck. And you have not <laughs> only home VR, but you also have the possibly the ability to do um, remote surgeries with hands. Oh boy, I hope that those go better than Surgeon Simulator. Hey, no. look, there's a woman in my room, guys. Oh no! What a There shocker. were two women in your room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ian just called Declan a woman. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor appreciated that. <laughs> Good. Oh, hey, look, I'm actually next. <laughs> hey. so, here's a story that is just hilarious. One of the developers on NBA Jam, which was a licensed sports game that came out in uh, 1993, this was like one of the original you know, licensed sports games, um, he was a huge Pistons fan, and uh, at that time they had like this huge rivalry going with the Bulls. I assume you know, maybe they still have that rivalry going, but apparently it was quite heated at that time. So he basically did what any rational human being would do. He secretly added some code to the game that would help uh, the Bulls play terribly in close games against the Pistons. All right. And it only just came to light this week that he had done that. <laughs> oh, God. Come on in, Sam, if you want to jam. <laughs> that was a great movie. And then their website is 
I love, you gotta love oh, the Space yeah. Jam website. Mm-hmm. The Space Jam website? Yep. <laughs> I'm gonna go look at that right now. Oh, and no. Just enjoy it'll, it. It'll blow your mind. It, let's see. So where is it? Wanted, yep, there it is. Oh, that's beautiful. It's like one of the worst examples of 90s web development that I've ever seen. Jam Central? And the somehow it's still, like, posted. Lunar Tunes. Yeah. Movie soundtrack? Oh, you'd have to buy it. I oh. can buy the CD for 13 bucks, or I can buy... You can spend 9 bucks and get the cassette version. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, let's move on. Actually, I have it at home somewhere. Alright. So, as I had said, world of video games is moving up and moving forward in ways that are really cool. So, uh, following along those same lines, China's ban on video game consoles is ending with a free trade with a free trade zone being set up in Shanghai. It'll be interesting to see how well this takes because the Chinese market has been dominated by freemium games for the last 13 years. Oh wow! Free trade zone. Oh hey, look, studio guy's back. Hi, ghost. Oh, I don't he doesn't have his headphones on yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, never. We're never done. By trolling you, I mean not trolling you because I just announced that we were trolling you. Buck's just like, you're an idiot. I'm Yes, I'm <laughs> not even going to respond to that one except that I just responded to it. Come on, let's get through these headlines so that we can talk about the steam machines. I want to talk about the All steam right. machines. Ian's excited. Alright, on to 38 Studios. Oh dear. Uh, the developers that brought Kingdom Vamlar series has recently fallen on hard times. Um, they, the company just now declared bankruptcy, and its assets are going to be sold in November. To top it off, the company was last failing at facing a lawsuit from the state of Rhode Island as they took out a $75 million loan just in order to relocate their uh, from Massachusetts. <laughs> Talk about a crappy situation. So I remember actually shortly before Kingdom of Amalur came out, they announced that they needed to sell around 3 million copies for them to just be in the clear. Mm-hmm. And Call of Duty struggles selling three million of co- three million copies. That you know, what? Kingdoms of Amalur. I remember that game being like sixty dollars a full year after it had come out, and like they already, I think they already knew that this this company was not going to make it. And yeah, I don't even think they broke broke a million. No. Hmm. <laughs> Poor guys. And I don't yeah. think that keeping it at sixty dollars was helping them sell any <laughs> no, copies. No. No. No, that never does. I'm pretty sure 38 Studios is probably going to be dead in the water. I hate to say it, but yeah, I mean, we well, we know that they've been liquidated, so mm-hmm. it's pretty much over. By pretty much, it's over. Period. Yeah. It's two months from now, they'll be gone. Oh, holy flaming balls of cats, Batman! <laughs> Good segue. <laughs> <laughs> The Evil Within is looking scarier and scary each and every time I encounter it. They showed footage from both the prologue and the Perth House survival level, and it looks like you're completely helpless in the beginning, big surprise, and you have almost as much trouble later on as you don't seem to have much ammo, and it takes several shots to kill even the basic enemy. I want this game so bad, and at the same time, I don't. <laughs> it, it, it looks wonderful, but oh god. Oh god! So, I mean, one of the parts of the levels, okay, um, in that Perth House survival thing, the thing that they showed you the, at the very end of the video, um, 
So you run down this staircase and you find yourself in a hallway that changes a couple times. Um, I don't remember exactly what happens when you go down the first time and it changes, but the second time, um, so you're walking along in this, it looks to be like an underground almost mine shaft sort of thing. And then just this tsunami, I guess would be the best thing to call it, this tsunami of blood shoots through and knocks you back under your feet. And when you stand up, you're back in like a hospital like... That cannot be sanitary. Sort of thing. I, uh, yeah. I mean, lots I mean, of iron, but... That's how I uh, re- reacted to a lot of the levels in, in Tomb Raider. It was just like, ew, it's all blood. Yep. I don't want to be here. It's yeah, gross. Exactly. And, then, and then, of course, the, the best thing is you walk down to the end of the hallway and you find a room with just a little puddle of blood in the middle. And then if you guys remember from the live-action trailer that you had before... Sorry, I'm closing my window. Homecoming partying is going on outside right now. Um, which we did win. I'll talk about that in a sec. But um, uh, So you find this puddle of blood, and then I think like six or eight arms just shoot out of it, and then the the woman from that live-action video thing, the thing that crawls on the puddle of blood, crawls on the puddle of blood. You start shooting it and running away as best as you can, but it's able to catch up to you, and it pins you, and the last thing that you see is it's raising its hand, and it looks like it's about to strike and kill you followed by a good splort sound. <laughs> so it makes me wet, but I'm not sure if okay. it's in a good way or a bad way. Because <laughs> I'm either pissing my pants because I'm scared or... Other, I'll, I'll other. Other. And Tom Clancy! How many people have heard of Tom Clancy? <laughs> I'm sure that we've all heard of Tom Clancy. So he his name gets put on a lot of things. Uh, and not all of them, uh, you know, he's actually worked on. But uh, so a couple of the video game franchises that uh, have been named after Tom Clancy are uh, getting a pretty cool crossover. Ghost Recon Online is going to be having a crossover with, with uh, Splinter Cell, where you can use all of Sam Fisher's arsenals uh, in the Ghost Recon Online game. So this will be even more stealth and even more killing Yay. than before. That's that's what I've always wanted in life. Sneaky bastards everywhere. <laughs> Alright, well, I don't think there's going to be much stuff in this next game that I'm about to talk about. CryEngine 3 is going to be getting a new RPG added to its ranks of games. Lichdom looks to be the sort of game where if you took all the aspects of Magic and the Elder Scrolls Skyrim and ramped them up into ridiculousness. Um, I didn't really do it if uh, I'm sorry. Do, do we know when this is coming out? I don't believe it. We do yet. I mean, it looked. Um, let's see what it's. Uh, Probably uh, sometime in two thousand. Summer twenty fourteen. Fourteen, yeah. Summer next year, but it looks beautiful. It looks crazy, and magic everywhere, messing with all the things in a beautiful in CryEngine three. I can get behind that. I can too. Oh, oh gosh. And oh, and next summer when it comes out, I'll actually have the money to get a new graphics card for this guy. There we go. All right. So it's going to be pretty. Mm-hmm. Oh, my. So Ian's excited. Ian's I'm wet. two favorite play styles happen to be Leroy Jenkins <laughs> or being the sneaky, stabby bastard. The most anticipated game so far this year to focus on the latter of the two, um, Thief, has been uh, released for pre-purchase. That being said, they seem to be getting off to a bad start. They have announced a pre-launch DLC, Bank Heist, that acts to be a homage to Thief 2. Eee! 
Although Easter egg content is always cool, having pre-order DLC seems to me to be nothing more than a flick off the entire fan base. Uh, I've, I'm not a fan of pre-DLC for a game, especially one that's not even out yet, mm-hmm. as I'm sure most of you are. So that's yeah. Just leave it as that. So I'm I'm not sure if this is going to be a DLC that's available like day one, or if this is a DLC that they're like planning on making and you get access to it. Uh, it's going to be one of those. By pre-ordering it, but yeah. So sort of like a season pass sort of thing. Now, what I'm actually excited for is uh, they, they have the Master Thief edition, which is only like a couple of dollars more than the regular one, and uh, by getting that, you get set, like some art book stuff, and most importantly, the soundtrack. Mm. Mm. So I'm definitely going to be going for that one. Yeah, a couple of dollars more. Oh, yeah, Sorry, go ahead. Uh, a couple of dollars more, that's... Exactly, it's a good deal. Literally three bucks more. So if you were AMD and you wanted to prove to everybody that you're still just as serious as NVIDIA, what would you do? What's that? Reveal a graphics card that's just a little bit more powerful than the Titan? That's not what I said. That's funny, that's exactly what AMD decided to do. Oh, good for them. Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's because... AMD is like, yeah, we can beat the Titan. And then a month later, NVIDIA is like, oh, yeah, by the way, we've got the Titan 2. I remember <laughs> when uh, Titan, or when the Titan was first announced, though, and they were like, yeah, this is basically going to be the most powerful graphics card on the market on, you know, for, like, four years to come. So, I mean, it's nice to know that AMD is not going to just take that and uh, not do anything about it. Oh, they'll take it. <laughs> Take me from behind. Shut up. <laughs> I don't want to think about the Onion movie. <laughs> so, <laughs> let's talk about the most important news of this week, okay? Steam. Steam and Valve and their living room stuff. So Valve had this nice, like, kind of stretched out announcement thing that they they did it like three announcements on three days, each like 48 hours apart, and it made my week very, very interesting because uh, they kept announcing these things while I was in class, and then I had to, you know, ignore the professor and just read all of the stuff about them. (laughs) I don't care. It wasn't Half-Life 3. Oh, well. (laughs) I was kind of, I was hoping that that would be the third day because, you know, they actually counted to three for that. Yeah. But so what, so what did they announce? Um, on day one, they announced SteamOS, which is going to be a free Linux-based operating system designed for living rooms. Yep. All of Steam's Linux games uh, will be native, com- natively compatible, of course, and uh, you can stream Windows and Mac games from a computer that's running Steam on your home network. Yep. So they're, and they're also working on getting popular media outlets uh, onto that system. That's Such as, cool. I, I mean, I, I assume that that last part just means <laughs> Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> That's all you ever need in life anyway. Well, the the funny thing is is like since it's based on Linux, uh I I wouldn't see any trouble with just letting people go to the Netflix website because that's what I would do. You know, I don't need like a native app for for Netflix on my computer. I just like, go to go to Netflix. It's like Windows 8. Uh, I'm sure that Gabe Newell would be very, very displeased to hear you say that. (laughs) Well, I'm just saying that you you can do that with the Linux thing, um, just going straight there, uh, or you can make the, or, sorry, going straight to the website, or, um, with 
uh, or just making an app to do it. And I'm, I was thinking about like Windows 8 and Skype, how there's one specifically for Skype that runs in the Windows 8 program that's designed specific, specifically for Windows 8, or I can just go to the regular one that most people have. Right, yeah. Sort of thing. That's all that I was, that's the comparison that I was making. That's what was going through my head. So, Ian, what did they announce on the second day? <laughs> um, Valve is working with multiple hardware partners to bring lots of different CMOS devices to market it in 2014. In the meantime, Valve is bringing a prototype that focuses on being high-powered and customizable to 300 lucky people. You can, um, to 300 lucky people, and you can sign up for the opportunity to get one. But good luck! There are many thousands of people who have already signed up, and it closes October 25th. Here, I'll I'll quickly go and check uh, and see how many people have signed up. Let's see. So far, we've got who. Oh, 189,000 people eligible for beta can as beta candidates. Hold on, I'm gonna I'm gonna do the math here and see what your chances are of winning. <laughs> that being said, you do that and I check and see. Um, yeah, that's that's like 0.001% chance right now. And it'll only go lower before, you know, October. Yeah. Or October 25th. So, good luck getting into the beta. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck. Um, let's see, there, there was a list of things that you have to do in order to... Um, right, yeah, but people can go and look on the website to find out what those are. They, they yeah. involve, you know, using... Um, Big picture mode and and you know having a few friends on Steam to prove that you're actually like a legitimate person and stuff like that. Nope. Now the third day, third day was my favorite announcement, <laughs> and that was the Steam controller. So they've apparently been working on this controller for the last year, and it's definitely interesting. Like Paul, when you first showed me the picture of it, I just kind of stared at it for a while because yeah. I mean it, it looked like an owl that was staring at me. It, it has a very strange design, <laughs> but apparently it's very good. It's, yeah, it, it, it works well. Is what uh, a lot of thinking the... about it. Yeah, I was like, okay, that makes sense. Um, so it has two gigantic circular trackpads instead of analog sticks on it, and then it has four buttons that are in between them. The you know A, B, X, and Y that you would typically find up on the upper right hand side of a controller. Um, and then in between those four buttons, there is a big old touch screen, which you can set up to pretty much do anything that you want. Um, and then on the back, you'll find the standard right and left triggers, and then the bumpers right above those. And then they also have uh, these two big gigantic buttons that are going to rest, you know, kind of under your uh, ring finger pinky area, you know, where you're gripping it um, down there. And then they also have three buttons that are kind of, you know, where, like, the start and select uh, buttons would be on a, on a controller that we'd be used to right now. Buttons. Buttons, buttons every year. <laughs> I think th they said that there's a total of 16 buttons. Oh, yeah, and the, and the, the trackpads are clickable. So the, the coolest thing about this controller for me is that it'll work with games even, you know, games that were made, like, really long time ago that aren't supported on controllers. And the way that it achieves that is it is em it emulates a mouse and keyboard input for all of the games that aren't uh, controller-enabled. 
Mm-hmm. And that's and that's like the reason for me that that is going to be like the one thing from that they announced this week that I'm definitely going to be getting as soon as it comes out. Which is that's really cool because you know you never need a specific controller or any old game that needs a controller. No, just plug her in quite right away. Exactly. And then also this way, um, I can completely customize what any of the buttons do because I can just you know it, it's basically key binding. It's like a programmable keyboard. Mm-hmm. The power of PC gaming. Someday maybe I'll be you know writing papers on it. <laughs> no. Someday you'll be designing. Oh, that'd be cool. Now, do we have a price on this yet, or no. any kind of release date? We don't. We don't know anything about it. So we know that um, the the Steam machines are going to be coming sometime in 2014, and, and uh, you know Valve is is partnering with a bunch of hardware partners to bring those to us. Um, and then the the one that's that's the beta one is coming is going to be shipping sometime this year. Um, presumably, I don't know before December, hopefully because they are they're closing the signups in October. So yeah. And and like the the point of the steam machines is that they will be able to come in pretty much any size, shape, uh, you know, price range, power level, noise level. Um, yeah, the thing that I'm more interested in, because because like steam, there's there's going to be a steam machine for every occasion essentially. That's that's what they're talking about. But I'm more interested in what the price for the controller is going to be. Um, Currently, you know, you can get a pretty good my, uh, Xbox 360 controller for, you know, $60, $70. And that, that's like, you know, the higher end, very uh, mechanical, clicky ones um, that aren't going to break down on you. So what do you guys think uh, is a reasonable price for this controller? Oh, boy. Um, well, given the complexity it would probably take to get it to support, uh, you know, just to just, you know, be this basically extended keyboard or replace like keyboard replacement kind of thing. Uh I'd say around sixty, maybe seventy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'd say that the the most expensive components of it are probably the trackpads because Oh that's right, uh, there's also that middle touch screen. That's gonna be that's gonna be pricey. Yeah, and well so the thing about the touch screen is it doesn't work exactly like a normal touch screen that we're used to. Um what it is is you can kind of flip through the different options of the the things that you have it set to do and then when you get to the one that you want to to you know the action that you want to perform with that button then you click down on the entire screen and that oh and that's like that's a button press so it's not like a, a a regular touch screen like we think of so it probably doesn't need to be as sensitive as uh you know a smartphone's touch touch screen um i'm hoping that it's going to be Less than a hundred dollars. It would be kind of ridiculous if it was more than. Yeah, I mean, look uh, how well the like the that we uh, the gamepad. Yeah, the gamepad. Yeah, a hundred and fifty dollars for a controller is a bit excessive. It's really excessive. Yeah, and it like especially if it's obviously they're going to be bundling in this controller with like all of the Steam machines that they're selling. So if like. If the controller is too expensive, then that will just bump up the price of all of the Steam machines, which would suck mm-hmm. immensely. Because I don't think what necessarily Valve wants to do. Yeah. But from what we know about the Steam machine, or no, I'm thinking of the Ouya, I think. Uh, well, what were you going to say? I'm trying to keep it small and affordable and yeah. specifically for 
people who act on a little bit of a lower budget, but designed yeah, to be completely hackable. Yeah, that's well, the that's the UIA. They're probably they want to probably design it to be affordable and not sell the hardware at a profit, but try to get for the software. Well, I think similar um, to like Amazon and Google with their uh, Kindles and Nexus hmm. products. Yeah, so I think since since it's not like Valve who is making the Steam machines themselves, um, the hardware manufacturers are obviously going to have to make a profit off of off of those sales because they can't. Like those manufacturers aren't going to be recouping their losses by selling games. It's Valve that's going to be making the money off of those games. Yeah. Um, and I mean, so the the key point here, the only reason that I'm even considering Steam OS as a valid thing is because it is still going to be a completely open system. You know, they're they're not like closed sourcing this. They they're actually going to be releasing all of the code uh for SteamOS and so you can take it, you can modify it, you can do whatever you want. You can you know, you can change the hardware or the software on the system. You can install whatever you want on it. Um and if they had if they had done it any other way, I would have just said forget it. Now I'm you know I'm sticking with Windows because at that point Windows would have been a more open system, which is kind of sad to think about. <laughs> um, also, speaking of Windows, um, I w- I kind of wondered a while ago why Gabe Newell kept you know ragging on Windows 8 and saying that it was a terrible direction for Microsoft to go because I was like, well, you can still uh, you can still install everything that you can install on Windows 7. Like, what's the big issue here? Um, but I realized that they wouldn't have been able to put Windows on these Steam machines because that would have cost money. You know, they would have had to license Windows, and then uh, that would have bumped up the price of the Steam machines, which, you know, would have been terrible. But streaming streaming the games through uh, your home network is a brilliant way, in my, in my mind, to get around that and uh, allow people to still play all of the games that they have. Right. Uh, so soon after they announced the the Steam OS itself, uh, I had this hilarious thought. Um, since the PS4 is still is being sold at a loss, uh, you know, it's being sold under the actual price of the hardware. What would happen if I, uh, you know, bought a PS4 and then installed Steam OS on it and then played my games that way? Hmm. Um, I don't know if that'd be even possible. I mean, it's an x86-based system, so... Yeah. I mean, I should be able to put Linux on it, right? Uh, yeah, you should be able to in theory, but... In depends theory. on how, how hardwired they have their <laughs> operating system coded into PS4. Mm-hmm. Somebody's going, somebody's going to hack the PS4 and, you know, essentially root it. Yeah, wow. well, eventually. Yeah. yeah. The beauty of these uh, x86 systems is someone's going to find a way hack it since it's familiar grounds. And I mean, it's, it's either that or, you know, buy a Raspberry Pi and put SteamOS on it. Raspberry Pi. Ooh, I've got one. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. So there's at least two people in our class who has who have one. Yes. That makes me really hungry. <laughs> have we read the qu- quotes that you threw up on here about oh, no, the yeah. developers have? Oh, no, yeah. Mind if I read those off? Yeah, we've got some quotes from developers on their, their thoughts about SteamOS. Go for it, dude. Valve is saving the entire gaming world, but all I can do, but but I all I can do. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I just copy and paste it, okay? Okay. But all I can do is mumble passive aggressively about crowbars. That was from Notch. 
For those concerned about Valve's controller over SteamOS, it's highly likely they will control it even less than Google controls Android. J.P. LeBreton. <coughs> and I probably murdered the pronunciation of that name. I apologize. I have no idea. Valve are really missing a trick by calling these things Steam Machines and not Steam Engines. Terry Cavanaugh. <laughs> I kind of like Steam Engines. Yeah. In 48 hours, we'll tell you that more information is coming next year. That's not how teasers work, Valve. By Chuck Jordan. Valve, Apple, Rockstar Games. I no longer waste breath debating. I just go get in line. Jake Solomon. <laughs> this is my favorite. I hear if you call SteamOS GLaDOS, Gabe Newell will appear in yoga pants and tell you some of his favorite things about Half-Life 3. From Dan Teasdale. <laughs> I do not want to see Gay, Gavin in yoga pants. No, 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 no. I think you really do. Who doesn't? Spoilers. All the spoilers. <laughs> Let's see. All right, Paul. <laughs> yes, sir. I have a... I'm going to throw it up in the chat. I have a link for you to go to and watch. Oh, boy. What is this? Oh, that. Oh, my gosh. Gabe Newell's watching me. Run. <laughs> <laughs> He's just... This is like this little gif of a... Just Gabe There's Newell music. cartoon. There's music. <laughs> Oh boy, that's the greatest sight uh, of all time. I'm gonna like this on Stumble Upon. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, no we'll how do we take about that or take care of that in the fringe a little bit later so that we can yeah stick with the show. So, what do you guys think um, about the Steam machines themselves? I know. Other than signing up for the beta, I'm not planning on getting one because the only, you know, screen that I have to play games on is my computer monitor and, you know, buying a Steam machine and then hooking it up to the same screen as my desktop that can already play all of my games seems very, very silly to me. Yeah. It does. In a lot of ways, I, but sorry, guys. It depends on what kind of hardware they have and what price they sell it at, but at the moment, it's it would <laughs> seem to me to be useless almost to buy one considering if you know anything about computers, you should be able to get SteamOS on yours, assuming your computer can handle most modern games. Yeah, but I mean, I, I assume that with the, you know, some of these Steam machines, they're going to be kind of more of a, sorry, a, more of a sleek design, you know, kind of more attractive for the living room, and I can definitely see, you know, if I was a tech-savvy dad, um, then I would definitely go for SteamOS and then just enable some of the kid-friendly games that I own in, you know, my Steam library to, you know, for play on, on the Steam machine. But you'd have to be a dad before that happens. Yeah, yeah. right. Oh, I, I should go and get busy with that. Does Kalen know that, about not, not right now. Nah, I'll deal surprise first. Don't worry. <laughs> She'll be listening to this. and be like, oh, boy. Oh, no. You know, I haven't been able to get Kalen to start watching it, listening to our podcast. It's so sad. Oh, man. So let's talk about some reviews. <laughs> I know that Sarah's listened to the podcast before. Gotcha, <sighs> B. Oh, oh, you guys are just the OTP, aren't you? Yeah. OTP. One true pair. No. <laughs> Maybe. We'll talk about that on the fringe a little bit later. But that'll be fringe stuff. Not this stuff. 
So, Paul, how's GTA 5 going? Um, well, just the other night, I decided to play it after watching Limitless because I was bored and my friends wanted to watch me kill hookers. So, <laughs> I was walking around, took a car, ran over the person that I took the car from, got out, started shanking some people, and I saw the distress on their people's faces. And my girlfriend was sitting in the corner horrified that I was doing this. It's much different killing people in GTA V than in any of the other Grand Theft Autos. The, the people are so much more lifelike and like it's so much more believable than many of the other Grand Theft Autos. Yet it's kind of ironic at the same time the game is a parody of modern life. Because you can like everyone's always on their smartphones and their tablets when you go outside. Mm. And you can even ha- you even have your own little smartphone. You can go on the web on it, and they have all these little websites you can go on. And there's like something called Life Invader, which is basically Facebook. <laughs> and there's actually a mission where you can go and where you go into uh, Life Invader's main office and you uh, uh, destroy their prototype, essentially their prototype smartphone. That I don't want to reveal any spoilers, but it's a <laughs> hilarious mission based around. Facebook essentially, and it's just the whole game is a great parody on modern life. So on, on your smartphone, can you browse actual internet sites like? I wanted to do that, but I guess it's just the uh, websites they pre-coded in. The, uh, that would have been amazing. It would have been. been hilarious. But you can also like take pictures with it and save it to your hard drive, which is pretty cool. But no, the <laughs> the game itself it it really like made everything right about what was wrong in Grand Theft Auto Four. Which was nice to see. It fixed like the shooting issues, so it actually feels like you're using a gun, whereas in Grand Theft Auto 4, it was just kind of shooting like a pea shooter. <laughs> and the driving feels a little bit, a little bit like toyish, but it's definitely not as like heavy as it was in Grand Theft Auto 4, which is it's very nice. And uh, the only real negative I can give the game so far is that it's really pushing the current heart uh, consoles to the limit. And there will be little things like texture popping, and the frame rate will start to chug here and there. But other than that, it's really outstanding. I I've only been a you know ten or so hours into it, not very far into the story because of well, it's Grand Theft Auto. You gotta go around doing whatever. But so far, good. You know, uh, on the subject subject of frame rates, in some ways, you know, I, I hate seeing. Uh, you know, noticing my frame rates drop. But on the other hand, it's like, if it only happens every so often, then it's like, I know that I'm pushing the hardware to its limits. Yeah. And it's like, this is as beautiful as it gets on this hardware. And I know that it's like, yeah. Yeah. That's... I'm using it to my full to its full potential. Like Skyrim with all those ridiculous mods. Oh my god, yes. Um. So let's see. The I've seen a few things about the game. Uh... I know that you you play as three different characters in it. Yeah, you do. Um, I've only unlocked one of the other characters, so I've I'm playing as two characters. One of them's uh, uh, Franklin. He's a a black guy in the, like the hood, I guess you could say. Um, the projects. His, the projects. Yes. And his uh, his beginning missions focus around him uh, hanging out with like his uh, his other gang members and how he just absolutely hates it and hates the idea of being in a gang and wants to move on from that. And then there's a other character, Michael, who's like a middle-aged white guy that is a terrible father, terrible husband, and wants to get back into his uh, good old days of robbing banks. 
And then oh, there's yeah, another character. Yes, very good old days. And there's another character whose name eludes me since I have not actually unlocked him yet. He's uh, supposed to be like this kind of hillbilly guy who's just basically balls of the wall ape shit. You, you don't know <laughs> what he's going to be doing. And it, I, I was actually surprised with how well it works in this game playing as uh, different characters. Because when I first unlocked Michael, I uh, I was robbing his, uh, I was trying, I was playing as Franklin, stealing his truck. And here's Michael on the back of the truck, pointing a gun to my head without me knowing it for like the first few minutes. And then uh, he, Michael <laughs> tells me to crash into the car dealership that told me to steal Mike's car. And then after that mission, it very nicely switches over, like the camera pans over to Michael and you just start playing as him. And that's just how the character switches go. So... It- are the character switches determined by the uh, the the mission that you're doing at that moment, or can you mostly freely switch between them? You, you can freely switch. Um, during the missions, every now and then, it'll pan over to uh, the character it wants you to play as. But at any time in the game, you can switch over between any of the other characters. Like, uh, it'll zoom out on the map, and then zoom in on the map for the other characters I have. Oh, interesting. So then mm. the character who you were just playing as just kind of continues going about their day. And uh, yeah. and then when you go back to the other character you were just as, like after a day or so, they'll like be walking out of a club or talking to a, uh, a cop or um, getting out of the bathroom or something. Just, <laughs> yeah, just basically doing whatever they were doing. Mm. So it, that's, I thought that was pretty cool. Now, it would be really funny if, like, some really significant event happened while, like, in one character's life while you were going and playing as a different character, and then they just, like, make references to that to, for the rest of the game, you know? And they just totally lost. Like, you remember that time when it's like, yeah, that was great, <laughs> and, then and you just, didn't see it. Yep. Uh, and one other thing I should point out is that there are a lot of really cool details in GTA V um, that most people probably don't notice. Um, for example... There are no load times. Ooh, shiny. But, well, there's one load time, I should say, in the beginning of the game when you load up the game at first. But after that, <laughs> there, there are <laughs> no load times. Yeah, that would be a miracle. But no, after that, there are no load times. When you go into a building or start a mission or you know sleep, there's no load times. It's really cool. Or uh, hmm. there's other little details. Like when you go under a, a bridge, um, the GPS will actually stop working. Or uh, certain radio stations only work in certain parts of the world, hmm. like how it would happen. And uh, another cool thing is when you like start shooting up cops, or like when cops are just after you, you'll see people on the side, like on uh, like in the windows or on railings, uh, taking like their phones or cameras and taking videos of what you're doing. It's hmm. just the little details that I appreciate in the game. And the game world itself is ginormous. It's obviously bigger than Liberty City. And I want to say it's about twice the size of how it was in San Andreas. But I'm not sure yet. I haven't played any of the other ones, so I uh, can't really draw comparisons. But I kind of of assumed that they were going to make it bigger than the other ones. Yeah. San Andreas was uh, easily the biggest one before uh, GTA V came out. And so it's really nice to be able to get back into the giant open game world that they made from San Andreas. So, I mean, GTA 4 was a decent-sized open world game, but it wasn't as big as I would have liked. Now, I, I believe reading that um, GTA 5 is now the, the game that was made with the biggest budget ever of all time. Yep, that's what I'd heard, too. I believe pretty, it. That's incredible. Yeah, I mean, given, like... 
how much stuff they put into it, like how big and detailed the game world is. There's always some little place to go to, and all the radio stations are. I'm sure they had to get licensed or something for all the different music they have. Yeah, it's mm. not like the like the crappy music they had in like Vice City and well, actually Vice City had awesome music, but like in San Andreas, they actually have some pretty good music in that game on the radio stations, and. <laughs> It's a good thing they spent all the money, too, because they managed to make a billion dollars on it in three days. On one hand, uh, you know, I'm thrilled to have, you know, nice, big-budget, huge games. On the other hand, I don't know how I feel about uh, my favorite industry having the biggest budget game called Grand Theft Auto. (laughs) You know, named after a crime. Hmm. People are saying... On the other hand, here I am looking forward to a game that's literally called Thief. Thief. There you go. <laughs> or but like it's okay me. because it's like morally conflicting or something. It could be called like Kill or something. <laughs> shoot, shoot, bang, bang. Oh, man. Or like that 60s movie, Faster Pussycat, Kill, Kill. <laughs> what? Oh, man. That's a thing. So... Paul, uh, our favorite way of um, giving game scores on this on this network is uh, we give it a, a reasonable price point. What do you think uh, is a reasonable amount of money to pay for uh, the experience of playing Grand, Grand Theft Auto V? Well, I typically am very cheap with games. Like, it took me a while just to spend out $60 for Borderlands 2. Oh, yeah. It ended up being worth it, but it, barely. Um, but honestly, I have no regrets spending $60 on Grand Theft Auto, and I probably would have shelled out an easy 80 Wow. And given how much they put into this game, it's I'd say it's well worth 80 And you've but only 60, had I, it for, uh, like, five days or so now? Yeah. It's I don't know how long the game is, but I can tell I'm going to be sinking a lot of hours just exploring the world and shooting hookers. There's really nothing else to do, isn't there? <laughs> I mean, like you can play tennis or go golfing or get a nice haircut or kill Live life, kill pips. As long as you're killing hipsters, that's okay. You can kill hipsters. That's that's, that's all good too. And nobody will call the cops on you for that. No, no, nobody. So this week uh, I played Amnesia: A Machine for Pigs, which uh, of course is the sequel to Amnesia: The Dark Descent. Um, I was kind of expecting A Machine for Pigs to be very, very similar to uh, uh, The Dark Descent, and in some in some ways it was, in some ways it wasn't. Um, it definitely wasn't as scary as um, The Dark Descent. the The beginning was pretty scary, um, you know, because I I didn't really know anything about anything around me. You know, all there was was these these creaking floors, and uh, every time I turned around, there was a creepy pig mask behind me watching me. And, uh, yeah, exactly. And, um... <laughs> stop that. You're freaking me out. <laughs> but then, um, a few hours into the game, I realized that it was much, much more about kind of the message that the game had to <laughs> for me and the story that it wanted to tell me than it was about freaking me out. You guys are freaking me out. Stop that. <laughs> my, my two... <laughs> I love how the 
how out of all of us, the one that actually snores is the one that's not doing a pig face. <laughs> no, he snorted. I didn't snort. Wait, you snorted? God dang it, Paul, you broke it. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> but, yeah, so... <laughs> This game has it, it has a lot of things to say about like the cl- class struggle of uh, the late 1800s, and um, it goes to great lengths to make metaphors with pigs and imagery with pigs, and basically everything that it says it says with pigs, um, which seemed very strange. Um, but I mean, it is called Amnesia, a machine for pigs. Thanks, Ian. Thanks for doing that. Yep. <laughs> Um, the gameplay was a lot more simple than uh, The Dark Descent. The, the, it was pretty much just all puzzles once again and running away from monsters every once in a while. But the thing is, the only items in the game that you could interact with were the ones, basically the ones that you were going to have to use to solve a puzzle. So very quickly I figured out that I just you know, needed to ignore everything else in the world except for the ones where a hand icon would appear over them when I walked past them. And, you know, so, like, one time I I just kind of randomly came across this candle that I could pick up, and I was like, oh, okay, I'll take that with me. And then, like, in the next room, I found a puzzle where I had to use the candle to solve the puzzle. And I didn't even, like, you know, I hadn't even known that the puzzle was there yet. I was just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to need that. Okay. Um, So the, like... It's very it's a it's a lot more obvious that it is a game and that kind of detracts from its scariness. Um but like I said, the point of the game is not to be as scary as uh Amnesia the Dark Descent. It's much more about the story. Um it's a lot shorter than the Dark Descent as well. It only took me I think like four and a half hours to get through the game and there's like I'm pretty sure I didn't miss out on any exploration that I could have done. It was pretty linear. So it was a really good game, and it, it had a very, very well-put-together story. Like, I, I kept going through these kind of fluctuations of great sorrow and then, like, determination to fix what was making me sad, and then sorrow again, and then I just wanted to fix everything. Um, but since it was only, like, four and a half hours, I wouldn't pay more than $10 for this game, which is unfortunate because it's, like, it's being sold for $20 right now, so definitely wait until it's on sale. Which will probably happen in about a month. Yeah, yeah. Uh, since Halloween's coming up. Good, good Steam sale for that, I'd say. Oh yeah. All right, is it me now? I think so. You're the only other person here. I know. Ryan, do you have anything for us? <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, he doesn't play games. Oh. Um, all right. So if you guys remember last week, um, what I did was a drunken first impression of trying to. <laughs> um, I remember that. <laughs> that was about five shots in. That was that was interesting. I could feel it. I was definitely feeling it. Um, I don't know if you guys were, but I know I was. Um, <laughs> uh, but so trying to, um, unfortunately, I didn't have as much time this week to play it as I would have liked, so I wasn't able to get all the way through the game, but um, I can still comment on a few things. It seems to be um, another, sort of like with Machine for Pigs, puzzle-based and story-based game. It doesn't really focus too too much on the combat. Um, it functions a heck of a lot like an RPG in that um, when you go along, you get experience points, and you level up, and you have to build up your skill trees. Um, now, the tricky thing with trying to in or- is that um, with the skill trees, you actually have three different characters who you're utilizing. You have a wizard, you have a rogue, and you have a warrior. Um, and each um, each different character has their own skill tree, 
And you also have to decide, um, well, obviously, which sort of skills that you want to level up, but um, the biggest and most difficult decision for that is what do you want to level up first? Do you want to level up the utility things so that you can get to where you need to, well, need to get in order to get all the extra things, or do you want to um, level up your combat first? Because as although the game doesn't necessarily focus on combat, that is still... It's useful uh, to be able to kill things. It's still useful to be able to kill things, and I mean, it's... Um, um, don't get distracted every, by the typing. Sorry. <laughs> you, know, here, I'll, you know what I'll do? I will shrink that so I don't have to think about it. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, it's useful to be able to kill things because some of the enemies are a little bit difficult. Not too, too bad, but they are a bit of a pain in the butt. Um, and, of course, each each character has their own different way of fighting. Um, the uh, knight, obviously, his main thing is fighting. Um, so he's up, up and at him and hitting things with hammers and swords. Um, whereas the rogue, um, her main thing seems to be mobility, getting from place to place, which she does mainly with the use of her grappling hook. Um, and though she does have a little bit of combat with her bow, she doesn't really have that that much. And then the wizard, um, he's mainly a utility guy. In fact, I don't think he has any actual combat things. The only thing that you can do, you don't actually start out with this, um, is up on the level tree you can get it so that you can, one, pick up goblins, which are the bad guys in the games, or and then you can spend a few more points a little bit later on in order to take a box and basically trap them inside your box. You make your own prison. Um, but so it's just, it, it's an interesting gameplay, gameplay style with focusing on the three different characters and to be able to, being able to switch between those ones and which one you want to level up first and make, if you want to get them up evenly, or if you want to make one more powerful than the others. Um, and focus on one specific aspect of the game as opposed to focusing on all things evenly. Um, now, the puzzles in the game, the game, for the most part, is relatively straight through um, story-wise, it seems like. You go from point A to point B, left to right, side-scrolling um, platformer. But the puzzles are basically puzzle by choice. That's if you want to get all the extra things. Um, so one of the one of the things that I had said is it's, it acts like an RPG. You get experience. Experience actually works a little bit differently in this game uh, than usual. You don't get experience from killing things and completing challenges. You have these little orbs that are lying around everywhere, um, and you get an experience point for each orb that you pick up. Um, and after 50 orbs, you gain a new le- or you gain a new skill point, which you can allocate as needed. Um, so. The puzzles let you get mainly more of those. Um, so the puzzles are for the people who want to have full completion and who are also willing to take a little bit of extra time um, in order to make their characters, I guess, more powerful or better able to do their jobs. Um, but if you want, you can go straight through the game without necessarily doing any of those puzzles. You know what's weird? I've kind of noticed myself going from being a very, like, full completion kind of person to being a, okay, get through the game as fast as I can so I can get to the next game kind of person. And I think that this podcast is to blame for that. Oh, man. That's... Oh, boy. Well, that's not the purpose of this. Well, I'm taking also, my time. Also, I think the fact that I've realized how long my backlog of Steam games is has also encouraged me to just play through the games and then get on to the next one because I want to play all of my games, you know, at some point. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Well, 
I'm thankfully still the completionist sort of person. Yes, I am still here. <laughs> I think all of us just got that message. Because, um, I mean, I'm about two hours of gameplay into the game, and I still don't know who the villain is. I've seen this, this shady-looking person... Oh, interesting. Um, ...looking through what looks to be some sort of portal mirror window thing. Um, it's like, who are these four strangers? I'd best keep an eye on them. And uh, sounds I, like a red herring to me. Yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> and then I also got... Um, uh, after I was done playing the game, I had apparently gotten three of the st- Steam trading cards, and one of the characters looked like the woman who was watching us, and she looked rather evil. So, children. I smell the scent of children. That was creepy. I love the smell of fear in the morning. <laughs> Is that like a League of Legends character? No. Oh? I had no idea if that was a reference to anything. That was oh, okay. Right. Your brain is an interesting place. It, it, it's a bit of a contortionist. <laughs> it twists and stretches itself into whatever way or into whatever thing seems to be presenting itself. So let me guess. The one who's been watching you is uh, Rosabelle? Uh, I think so. That was the one that looked kind of scary and intimidating. Well, and she's and got red that. eyes. Yep. Then the other lady looked like she was Liliana, I think. Isabelle. Isabel. Isabel, yeah. thank you. Um, but she she was surrounded by flowers and looked really pretty. Um, and the thing is, is one thing that I do know that has happened is I encountered a talking flower at the end of one of the levels. <laughs> that looked like it was of the same sort of flowers that Isabel was made out of. Ooh, that's a pretty flower. Cactus. Um, throw that at someone. So do you, Oh, ow. Do you think that... Uh, You've played enough to give us a, a good price point for it, or do you want to wait until you've kind of finished it? Game mechanics-wise, and how everything works together, I have a pretty good grasp of. Story-wise, not as much yet. Um, okay. But it doesn't feel like there's going to be really any twists that I would necessarily be able to not see coming. Okay, um, wait a moment while I go through all of those triple and quadruple negatives and figure out what you oh, just said. Welcome to Latin. Oh, man. <laughs> this is the brain of a classics major. Um, all right, how about this? I haven't done enough of the story yet to be able to see what's going on or to necessarily know for sure what's going to happen, but I think I have a pretty good idea of what's going to happen. Okay. And anything that does come my way I don't think will be a big surprise. How's that for deciphering myself? Yes, good. I understand now. English. English English is good. Um, (laughs) And I mean, oh, something I almost forgot to talk about, the art and the music in this game. Yes, I was going to ask about that, because I noticed that Trine has a really beautiful art style. They're wonderful. They're wonderful. They're very cartoony. um, But, okay, the characters themselves are very cartoony in a lot of ways. Um, But at the same time, the world that it immerses you in, it's... It is absolutely gorgeous. Um, it's there. There really is no other way to describe it other than beautiful. Um, it's not. Oh, this is cool because it's in this way or this way. No, it's just everything looks hand drawn. Everything they put time into making these things, and it is absolutely or into making this game, and it is absolutely gorgeous as a result. Um, and the music itself is beautiful and wonderful as well. As I think I mentioned last week. Um, I've been 
or when I got it on the Humble Bundle, I also got the soundtrack from it, and I've been listening to that um, frequently over the past week. So even if the story doesn't necessarily turn out to be anything too special, the game as a whole, from what I can tell, is absolutely beautiful. Um, so price-wise, nice. <sighs> I was just mesmerized by uh, watching the trailer on their on their site. So, yeah. Um, let's see. How much is Steam selling it for? Uh, I was just there, and I couldn't tell you anymore. Here, give me a sec. I'll look it up. Boop 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 boop. Twenty dollars. Twenty bucks. Okay. That is a fair price. That maybe wait if it goes five bucks less than that, but um, but. As an experience, as a game, it's easily worth at least fifteen, and twenty would be a fair price as well. Sweet. So what's going on next week? Um, we don't have any new releases that are on my radar, um, but I've been playing Batman: Arkham Asylum, and actually that game really sucked me in. I I ended up I yesterday I didn't realize it but I played it for six hours and then oh, at, the end, at the end of the day I was like oh that was a long time wasn't it <laughs> and uh, so yeah that's looking good and you'll definitely hear more about that from me next week yes that's that's a very good one especially uh, I actually prefer Arkham City I yeah know, Arkham and- Asylum was good but Arkham City was and of course, I, I started playing Arkham Asylum because I knew I was going to need some time to get through both of them before Arkham Origin comes out so that I could play that right. when it comes out. I'm watching Ian trying to figure out what's going on here. Oh, I think he figured it out. Okay. Oh my. <laughs> so, this has been 8-Bit Everybody. Thanks for joining us. I'm Ian Buck, signing off. I'm Ian Decker, and oh god, Guild Wars 2 announcement was beautiful. Ooh, I am Paul Sleep, and thanks for having me, guys. I mean, how about a roll is that we each have a word of the day and talk, <laughs> or that we each roll a random one and then we talk about it? I know what a golden selfie is. A golden selfie is when you take a picture of yourself with the new 5S. Oh, that's so oh. good. <laughs> oh, yes. What? Yes, where's my the Twitter? I- <laughs> the iPhone 5S. <laughs> which comes in gold. Oh, wow. <laughs> I didn't even get that until you. <laughs> I like my idea more. We all roll a random word on Urban Dictionary, talk about it, and that's how we're going to refer to each other for the rest of the show.